You're listening to the Forefront Church Podcast in New York City, where our vision is to see lives, neighborhoods, and our city renewed through Jesus. We went to a few churches. Yeah, we went to a few. We tried a big church, which was big. We didn't make any friends. We were there for a month and a half. We didn't make any friends. Yes. Yeah. And we uh, tried a nice little church for a while. So we needed to find a place where we could both connect, where we both felt at home. And, and then Mira said, hey, I went to this church where this guy looks like Steve Jobs giving an Apple presentation on the stage, but it's about church. And I was like, what? I think one of the reasons we stayed was um, we were embraced into a small group and it was a couple small group. And we were a newly married couple by this point. And seeing these other couples, they were so strong. It was just um, just a great example of what our, we wanted our marriage to look like. We're just like, oh, hey, welcome, come in, join us, eat, drink. That's, that really was a, a, a selling point for me was how friendly and genuine people were. Mike and I are two very different people. We come from completely opposite backgrounds. And I'm, I have a rather conservative background. Mike is extremely laid back. He's a party guy, you know, so. I felt like when we went to other churches, I would try to censor him so that people didn't think that he was coming in there and gonna, I don't know, taint the church or something. You can't tame the lion. Yeah. <laughs> but at Forefront, I didn't find feel the need to do any of these things. Mike could be himself and people accepted him for who he was. I could be myself and didn't have to put up this front. I could just be me and that was really comforting. We wanted to to be to extend our home to the community because people were so inviting to us that we wanted to do the same. They may be away from their family, but they can create a family within our church in Brooklyn. It opened up something to me to be like, all right, let me um, let me extend that to other people as well, since I was, you know, fortunate enough to get that extended to me. Those deeper and meaningful relationships that you have with people, I think, help you become more healthy. It, we become healthier parents. We're in a healthier marriage. We're having healthier relationships with our kids and building healthier children. As I got more involved with church, I wanted to, to give more the way that I had received. I wanted to give back. And so I volunteered to teach. I loved seeing the kids' faces light up. I love learning along with the kids just the simplicity of this love for Jesus that they had. Being able to do that and contribute to that is, is really fulfilling. If I didn't have Forefront, I wouldn't have friends. I wouldn't know you, most likely. I wouldn't have mm-hmm. you, Sean, uh, filming us in the middle of Carroll Garden Park. So, um, and... That's what it is. Yeah. If, if we didn't have Forefront, we wouldn't have had the amazing friends that we've made. We wouldn't have been as healthy parents. We wouldn't have been as healthy a married couple. <laughs> I think that it would have been difficult. <laughs> it just... these bad <laughs> kids either. Yeah, maybe don't say the ASS word in the church video. That's a good story. I like that story of Mike and Mira. Um, <laughs> I wish Mike was here today. He's working. Um, you know, like, I'll be taking communion, and Mike will come up to me and do that exact same thing. He'll be like, hey, brother, like, Mike, dude, I'm trying to take communion, bro. <laughs> And that's why I love our church, though, because uh, but what we do is we, we welcome people well. We accept people um, uh, the way that I think Christ accepts people, uh, w- with love, uh, love without condition. Um, 
And yeah, I, you know, it, it's a little bit different than what the rest of the world does, a little bit different than what I think we can still do sometimes, um, which is kind of live by this mantra that uh, same is safe and different is dangerous. And I think, I think that's sort of something that just has stuck with us. Say it with me, right? Same is safe, different is dangerous. We sort of live that life. We do. Um, and it's okay if you live that life. It's, bio, it's, it's in us. It's, it's biological. Um, you, know, you know, when you're attacking other places and, you know, you have to differentiate your tribe from another tribe, you have a crest or a uniform or, or you know, feathers or a color, and that tells you that you're the same, you're safe. And if, if you don't have that thing, well, you're different. And if you're different, well, you should be killed, right? Different is dangerous. Same is safe. Different is dangerous. I've been reading a lot about the Iroquois tribe. They were, they were brutal, um, they killed people in some crazy ways, uh, um, and like hot pokers down people's throats and like, like really terrible stuff. And uh, what would happen is there would be members of the Iroquois tribe that wouldn't be wearing the right colors and feathers, and they would be mistaken for other people, and they would be killed too. Like it's, like, it's that crazy. Like because same is safe, different is dangerous. If you look different, if you are different, it's a dangerous thing. Same is safe, different is dangerous. You know where this happens a lot? High school. Where are my emo people? Come on, emo people, where are you? Just, just that's it. Wow. Anyway, if you're emo, you know, you, you still think like you're kind of cool, right, Brianne? And like you're wearing all black and like your hair's in front of your face, but at least you're, yeah, purple, but at least you're doing it with all your friends, right? Because you and all your friends are the same. So same is safe and different is dangerous. High school's the worst. You know where else is the worst? Church. The second you feel a certain way about something and that person doesn't feel that way about something, you go and you create another denomination. That's what you do. That's why we have thousands of denominations here, right? Uh, because same is safe, different is dangerous. I want to confess, actually. I'm going to confess to you right now. I'm going to confess about our church. Um, and it starts with me. Same is safe, different is dangerous. There was somebody who I was talking to. And um, they said, hey, I really want to come to your church. I said, great. I want you to come to our church. This is going to be amazing. And they said, yeah, just look me up on Facebook. We'll connect. I was like, absolutely. And I went and looked this person up on Facebook. And I'm not kidding you when I say, like, their entire feed was just porn, like the entire thing. And I had two really distinct thoughts. My first thought was, um, I don't want this person coming to our church. They, they look like they have major issues. I don't want them here. And then my second thought was like, why don't they just, you know, look at their porn in quiet like everybody else does? Like, I, and it was just a weird <laughs> thought to have. Like, like, it was just a weird thought because w what it made me realize is I, I don't want to deal with this person's issue. Like, I don't want to have to, you know, help this person. I don't want to talk to this person. Like, I, I would rather they not be here. Same is safe, different is dangerous. Like, that's, that's just how I felt about it. When Ben Grace comes up to me and he goes, hey, all we're doing is a grand piano and two singers. I'm like, that's great. But inside, I'm like, Ben, just be the same as every other church, man. Like, just, just get drums and whatever and, like, play Chris Tomlin songs and whatever. Like, you know, like... That's just how I feel sometimes, like same is safe, different is dangerous. And so what I want us to do today uh, is I want us to tell better stories. I want us to tell better stories of the way Christ moves in people's lives. I want us to tell more Mike and Mira stories. And so the way that happens as a church is it happens through repentance. So today I'm going to talk about repentance, and it starts with me. I want our church to repent of this lie, of this non-gospel way of living that says same is safe and different is dangerous. Now, if you know... Uh, if you've been here for any of my repentance messages, uh, repent doesn't mean change your behavior. It's not like fix something and then you're done. It's like a change of mind, a change of heart. That's what we're looking for today. So what I want us to do is I want us to have the courage 
to actually look at different as being something that is welcome and good and right and whole in God's kingdom, not dangerous. You want to do that with me? You guys? Good, okay, good. I mean, really, everybody was like, oh. Everybody was just sitting there. How are we going to do this? I'm going to tell you how we're going to do it. We're going to do it by, uh, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. Now, me saying 1 Corinthians 13, how many people already know what that is just by me saying it? How many people know? Okay, a decent amount of you. All right, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is a very popular passage in Scripture. It's Paul's love passage. Uh, he talks about love with the Corinthians. Uh, it's used a lot in weddings. I'm sure we've heard it in weddings. It's been on movies and TV. Wedding Crashers had like an entire scene around 1 Corinthians 13. Um, I mean, it's been everywhere. Like it's pinned on Pinterest. Your grandmother crocheted it and then framed it and put it next to your high school picture in the hallway. Like, it's everywhere. It's like, right, it's, it's, it's all, and so when Paul's talking, um, he's talking about something I think has maybe lost a little bit of its meaning, right? So I'm going to throw it back up on the screen if it's not back up there already. And I just should say that this passage deserves an entire series. And me and my foresight, I gave it 21 minutes, so that's what we're going to get today. Um, but there's so much I could talk about in terms of this passage. There's so much. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus in on one thing today. And that one thing is uh, the fact that this passage, when it talks about two people being in love, actually does it a disservice. Because this passage is more about communal repentance and a communal call to a different way of living life. So who are we talking about? We're talking about the Corinthians. And the Corinthians, as we know, because we've been talking about them all through together in this, they're divisive, right? There's some who love Paul, some who love Peter, some who love Apollos. They, they, they uh, have separated themselves based on socioeconomic class. So there are some that just because they're richer think they're way better. Uh, and there's that divisiveness. And, uh, and then there's other divisiveness that you know, we can't even get into right now. They're, they're fractured. They're broken. And what we have Paul doing here is not like this encouragement. This is almost like Paul, like, in frustration, in his last, like, like get-it-together kind of piece for the Corinthians. Like, get it together. Like, you think you're so great at X, Y, and Z. Like, you have, if you, but you're not, you don't love anybody. You have nothing. There's nothing that you have there. It's, you have to hear Paul say it. Paul's speaking from a very frustrated place. He's speaking from a place where he's had it up to here with a divisiveness. How does this divisiveness start? It starts in a really small little way. Uh, it's like a little virus. And this virus is like a, um, it's like a little transaction. It's a little transaction that happens. These little transactions that are happening in the church at Corinth. Um, how many people have seen Office Space? You see Office Space? Remember when they embezzle money and it just happens through these little transactions, but then it gets really, really big? Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of that. And if you haven't seen Office Space, that's lost on you. But anyway, um, that's what's going on here. We have these like little transactions and it's, it's, it's Paul telling them, listen, you say you're loving people, but these little things, these little conditions, these little transactions actually create, are creating a virus that's, that's fracturing you in the church. And so, uh, you know, what's happening is like, uh, uh, we love you, you know, we love you, but we, we love you only if you'll make enough money. And if you make enough money, then you could be a part of our church. We love you, but you're going to have to figure out a way to start selling because um, um, once you start selling this stuff, then you can contribute to the church the way the church needs to be contributed to, and then we really, really love you. That's kind of the stuff that's going on at, at Corinth. But it, it, it works with us too. I think the Spirit still uses this today in a sense where I see this happen all the time. You're welcome. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. You're welcome so long as you believe uh, my ideals and my culture. Because if you don't believe my ideals and my culture or my theology then I can only love you so much. Eventually, you need to get it together. 
It's the issue with the Black Lives Matter movement. Like, you have a bunch of people who go along and say, it's not Black Lives Matter, it's all lives matter. And why is that? Because, you know what, I'm not willing to understand your story. I'm not willing to understand culture. I'm not willing to, to understand that. I need you to conform to how I'm feeling, to what's going on over here. So I love you so long as you conform to what's happening over on this side. I'm not going to support you until you can do that. Now, conversely, I think a lot of times we'll say, I love you, but I'm unwilling to challenge you to get better. That uh, makes me uncomfortable. Or I love you, and, and you know, I, I see that you're really not growing in Christ. You're not growing in the Spirit and the Gospel. But I'm not going to say anything because you might get mad at me. That's a condition. That's a transaction. I love you, um, but I see this addiction. I see this issue you have, and I'm not going to mess with it because that's your life. That's, that's a transaction. And these little transactions, these little things that happen, create these fractures, these divisions. And we see it happening in the church of Corinth. And the thing that scares me, the thing that, that, that frustrates me more than anything, is that it happens in my life. And I'm going to bet that I'm not the only one. I still don't want to invite so-and-so to church. It's just a little thing. But what is that doing to the community at large? I want to tell better stories. I want to tell stories like Mike and Mira's story. I want to tell stories where, where somebody said to them as they came in, said to Mike as he came in, hey, you're loved, and we know who you are, and you're welcome here. And then I want to tell these stories like Mike and Mira where, where they've done the same thing for others. Hey, you're loved. This is your spot, condition-free. How do we do that? Because honestly, the, the love that Paul's talking about is really, really difficult. It's like, you know, hey, uh, Paul's saying, you could, you could work at Father's Heart, you could work at BCS, you can hang out with people who aren't like you, you can do all that. But the second you put a condition on someone, you're nothing more than a horn on the BQE. That's it. You can um, stand up here and preach or, or lead worship, or you can volunteer and serve and do all that and show up at church every Sunday. But the second you say you're afraid of this person uh, because of the other, because they're different, you've ruined it. You've missed it. You might as well leave. I want to fix it. I want to tell better stories. That's what I want to do. So how do we tell better stories? What do we do? Well, it's hard to get to this love without condition, right? It's hard to get to that place. So I want to I give us a suggestion. And it feels like I'm going to take a little bit of a right turn here, and I am. But I think it's going to help us in terms of how we move towards this love um, that stops the fracturing, that stops the pain. Uh, all right, back to our question. How many of you recently had a song or a movie or a TV show or something that gave you, like, that feeling right in here? How many people? How many? A few of you? When I was 20, I watched Goodwill Hunting. And I was like, that's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take big risks in life. I'm going to do it. Like that movie, like, I was like, oh, my goodness. How many people? Is anybody here a Mets fan? Bartolo Colon hit a home run yesterday. That gave me the feels. <laughs> that gave me the feels. Um, you ever talk to somebody? You ever talk to somebody? Um, and they're a stranger maybe, or you didn't really know them that well. And after that conversation, you're like, I might not ever see this person again, but I'm going to remember that conversation forever. Or this person's going to become an incredible friend, right? Like we have, do you know that feeling? You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been driving down the highway and, and you're just on the highway and you're bored and you just are done and you want to get home and all of a sudden you see like one of those white crosses on the side of the road and all of a sudden you realize somebody lost their life here? And all of a sudden, that's not just a highway anymore. It's like, it matters. Like, this, this is humanity. Okay. 
there's a word for this. And it's a Hebrew word. And the word is kavad. Okay? And I'm pronouncing it wrong. But we're going to get there. All right? It's kavad. And it's this beautiful, beautiful Hebrew word. All right? And what it means, uh, it used to be like a, a way that people would measure things. So uh, when people would talk about kavad, it was something that you couldn't weigh. It was like too big to weigh. Um, and then it turned from this thing that was too big to weigh, it turned into um, this, this thing where it said something that didn't have significance now has tremendous significance more than you could have ever imagined. Like that's what kavad is. Something that didn't matter before now matters to you more than ever. That's kavad. That's this Hebrew term. And that's what the story, those are the stories I want to tell. We might not be able to get to selfless love yet that Paul's talking about, but we can get to Kavad. We can say, you know what, this thing that didn't have, have significance before matters way more than I ever thought it would now. Kavad. I'm going to tell you another Kavad story. You want to hear it? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> boy, oh boy. It is sunny outside now, you guys. It is. We'll get there. I promise. Um, it's in the Bible, <laughs> the story. My second favorite Kavad story, aside from Mike Amir's. That's my first favorite Kavad story. Um, and the Bible's great. The Bible's, oh, it's so good. This is an interesting story, all right? It's in Matthew. And it says this, From there, Jesus went to the regions of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from those territories came and she shouted, Show mercy on me, son of David. My daughter's suffering terribly from demon possession. But Jesus, he doesn't respond to her at all. At all. Doesn't respond to her. And the disciples come up to Jesus and they say, Send her away. She keeps shouting at us. So Jesus goes up to this woman, and he says, I've been sent only to the lost sheep, the people of Israel. And then this woman kneels before Jesus, and she says, Lord, help me. And Jesus says this. He goes, it's not good to take children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off their master's table. And Jesus answers, woman, you have great faith, and it will be just as you wish. And right then and there, her daughter was healed. Oh, this story's so good. You know who the Canaanite is? You know what the Canaanite is? is it, uh, so historically, the Canaanite is the subhuman, okay? They have long been enemies. The Canaanite actually comes um, from way back when with, with Abraham, Abraham's son. He had two sons. One was Isaac, and that's where the, the, tradition, the Jewish tradition comes from. And the other one was Ishmael, and Ishmael's a Canaanite. So he was the illegitimate, bad, messed up son. And so this for thousands of years, people have this idea that if you're a Canaanite, you're subhuman. You're worst of the worst. You have no right. You have nothing. We don't like you. We look at you, and we see you as dangerous. And so this Canaanite woman comes up to Jesus, and the disciples are like, get this woman away from us. Get her away. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, Jesus goes over there, and he goes, this is not for you. I'm not for you. Jesus says that. He's like, I'm for Israel. I'm for the lost children. I'm for my people. I'm for the Jewish people. And she says, please, I beg you. And he says, what does he say? He says, it's not good to take children's bread and toss it to dogs. What's he saying? Children are the people of Israel. He's saying it's not good to take what Israel has and toss it to the dogs. Now, what do you think they call Canaanites? They call them dogs. Jesus is saying it's not going to take what I have to give to my people and give it to your people, dogs. That's Jesus saying that. I don't even want to get into the theological implications of that one. We can be here a long time. And what does the woman say? Look at me. She says, look at me. See me. 
See me. I matter. Look at me. Look at me. Kavad. Look at me. Look at, look at my significance. And, and she doesn't say it that way. She says, listen, even dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the master's table. Even I'm worthy of something. I matter. Look at how I am. Look at me. And Jesus goes, yeah, I've actually seen you all along. I've seen you. And your daughter's healed. And you have great faith. That's Kavad. That's it. And when we tell good stories at this church, that's what I want us to practice. I want us practicing kavod. I want us to look at that person, that, that situation, and say, that thing, I don't want to touch it, but it matters. And it actually has more significance than I can even imagine. And it's actually not only going to change me, but it's going to change this place, and it's going to change it and bring about peace to God's kingdom. I'm going to show kavod. And oh my gosh, that's scary. That is a scary thing. Do you have the courage to practice kavod? Because Kavad eventually is going to get us to that selfless love that we need, uh, that Paul talks about in Corinthians. But we're not going to get there unless we start seeing the thing that's insignificant as the most significant thing that can change our lives that brings peace to this place. That's how it happens. Why are we doing together in this? We're doing together in this. We're raising the money because ultimately, and I really believe this, not lobbing softballs, none of that. What I really believe is that our church is in a better position than any other in this city to actually see Kavad happen, to actually bring people in and to say, you matter. You are loved. No condition. No transaction. That's it. Notice Jesus didn't have a transaction with this woman. He wasn't like, oh, you're a Canaanite. Um, come with us, and eventually I need you to you know, convert over to Judaism. No. Notice it wasn't like, okay, come with us, and the disciples are going to tell you about the finer points of theology, and then you're good. No, you're healed. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed your daughter. And that's what I love about our church. We can practice that same non-transactional, fulfilling kavad, that love. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to take communion. And as we take communion, first off, I want you to celebrate the fact that Jesus is death and resurrection. Jesus, the one who said, this woman's a dog, and she says, no, I'm not. I'm, 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 I matter. I, I have weight. I have significance. He goes, yes, you do. That Jesus says the exact same thing to every one of us. So I want you to think about your addiction that might not be out in front for everybody to see. I want you to think about your sin issue. I want you to think about the thing that keeps you up at night and know that Jesus looks at you and Jesus goes, okay, I have kavod for you. You matter. You have significance. You have weight. And as you take communion and as you celebrate that, I want you to think about the person that you're going to show kavod to this week. It's the mom, maybe. The mom who's a little bit tired. She walked in. Maybe she's a little bit blurry-eyed. And you're sitting there. You're like, I'm 23 and single. Show kavod to that woman. You matter. I don't know your life story, but you matter. The, the person who wants to be a mom today, who maybe is struggling with infertility or had a miscarriage and is in so much pain, and it's a silent pain, I want you, uh, maybe you don't even know it, but to go up to someone today and just say, hey, I see you. Kavad, you matter, you have significance. Maybe it's someone who has been told they don't belong at a church and they're a recovering Christian. I talked to somebody in first service, and, and she just goes, thank you, I'm a recovering Christian. I just need to hear that I was welcome, like really welcome. Do that for somebody today. Kavad, you're welcome. You have significance. You matter. There are people here who struggle with deep anxiety, and, and they fight with it, and they battle with it, and they don't feel like they can even make it through these doors. Tell them they matter today. And here, by doing that, by doing that, we're not some horn on the BQE. We're, we're not people who, like, are, are faking it. We're people who are going to tell amazing stories that not only change our church, not only our community, but our city, and this world, and we bring about the peace and unity of God's kingdom. 
Those are stories I'm willing to tell all day. Amen? Can we pray? God, give, give me the courage to invite that gentleman to church again. And give all of us the courage just to, uh, to show people uh, that we're afraid of that they're not different, they're not dangerous, they're, they're significant, they matter. Lord, put that on our hearts, allow your spirit to move through us today that that would happen, that we would do that, that, that we'd be able to show Kavad. And Lord, thank you for showing it to us daily. Thank you for that grace that comes. Thank you for the grace that comes through the cross that allows us to, um, to be seen as, as, as unmarked and beautiful in your eyes. Praise in your name. Amen.